Thank you, Father, that you have loved us, purchased us, made us yours forevermore. Show us more of what that means now as we turn to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in John 15. You find that on page 764. We had a look at uh, 1 to 8 last week. So we're carrying on today from verse 9 down to verse 17. So John 15, page 764. This is part of uh, what's called the farewell discourse. So Jesus is about to leave. He's going to his death and he's preparing his disciples. And this is part of that conversation that he has with them. So from verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. And to help us a little bit, I think we'll read what precedes that from verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
We're thinking about what it means today to remain in Jesus' love through joyful obedience. And the theme of love is of uh, national interest. Did you know that every year at this time of year, what do you think I'm going to say there, Alina? You're going, oh. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But every time we come to this time of year, every year, we issue new love stamps as a nation. Did you know that? Every year we have love stamps themed on love. Every year. And we bring out different ones and then we're told to send love. And maybe you can send them on Valentine's Day if, if you want. You can send them to any, anybody you like. I mean, for things to make, for people or events to make themselves onto national stamps, it requires something significant. Don't just put them on there for anything. And it's a welcome and a feel-good theme. And it's something that is, is very welcome. People like to think about the theme of love. But the context that the word love is, is used in is vital if we're to understand what's meant by it. And the Bible says God is love. Which made its way onto an American stamp at one time for a nerdy point of interest. But what does it mean to think about love in the context of God and the context of how he wants that to be understood? When the Bible says God is love, what's similar about that and, and what's, what's different? Because it's God's love that Jesus starts with here, God the Father's, in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And this is an introduction to the love that exists between the three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God in community expressing love, relating one to another in love. And that is something which has occurred eternally. I know it's a big idea, it's hard to get your mind around it but something which has occurred between the persons of the Trinity eternally, long before any of us ever existed, there was this interpersonal relating in love, God giving and receiving love eternally before any of us came to be. And the love the Father has for Jesus then is the pattern for how Jesus loves his disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I, Jesus, loved you. And there's differences, of course, but that's the pattern. And you might question, well, does God love me? Could God love me? How could he love me? As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Speaking to his disciples. Does God the Father love Jesus? That love is eternal. Jesus never questions the Father's love. He is upheld constantly by it. And now Jesus says, I love you, disciples, the way the Father loves me. And that love preceded anything they had ever done, anything we have ever done, anything they ever would do, or anything we ever will do. It precedes that. And there's a completeness about it. Jesus says, 
as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. It's, it's a complete love. All that he has shown and done for them. And the cross is so imminent that it's as if it has already occurred in its full demonstration of his love for them. It's already woven in to this pattern he shows them. And so that's the pattern. That's the principle that he establishes. Having given that component, that foundational understanding of this love, he then goes on to say, now remain in my love. In other words, act on that love. Respond to that love. Move towards that love. Show its influence and impact in your life. He says, verse 10, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. So the obedience Jesus shows to the Father is also a pattern. It's a pattern for us to follow in obedience to Jesus. Remaining in the Father's love for Jesus was a proactive reality. It governed all of his decision-making right throughout his life. The prayer that he taught us to say that we said this morning, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your will be done. Your kingdom come. It takes him all the way to the cross. And the same pattern then is called upon for the disciples to, to follow. They remain in Jesus' love by keeping his commands. To remain in his love, of course, is, is one of those commands. And so there's a commanding love which I think seems like an awkward fit for us today, but it's an invitational command. It's not a, a threat. It's patterned on the love between God the Father and God the Son. We tend to think of commandments very negatively. We don't like the idea of being told what to do by anybody. But look at the outcome that Jesus envisions, envisioned, envisages, the word I'm trying to say in uh, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy is the outcome of this obedience. A joy like the joy Jesus himself knew in his life. It's a joy that is complete. And it's a joy that comes from this obedience to Jesus. Because Jesus' commands are designed for your good, for your fullness, for your joy, for your wholeness. And that will involve sacrifice and it does involve hardship. Jesus lived that, but it also brings joy and liberty. I mean, think of that song that we heard that Rob had shared with me from, from Kevin and Jamie. These guys who had experienced death actually died and brought back to life. And Kevin, whose life had been just a mess, and they came to know Jesus and they sing all the voices calling me. Lots of other things that want you to follow their commands. And Jesus set me free 
got a friend named Jesus Christ. He does it all for me. He takes away my fear, my pain, and my anxiety. And they go on to say, come, let us worship. Come, let us bow down. And as Rob, my friend, said, they're saved from a life of madness. These weren't naive, sheltered, cozy people. These were people who had lived through some of the real reality of our city and met it face on till it took them to their death and now have found life in Christ. And you can hear as they sing the joy in their life, the liberty. You know, it's a question of whether you think Jesus is good. Is he trustworthy? And we believe and Jesus asserts himself to be exactly that. That doesn't, of course, mean that being a disciple will prevent you from, from suffering or from struggling ever again. But it does mean we can know joy in those experiences and come back to Jesus time and time again as we experience fear and pain and anxiety and so on and experience the joy of following his good commands for our, for our lives and thus abiding in his divine love. And in so doing, we find meaning and purpose outside of ourselves and in community and in Christ. We find love, joy, acceptance, purposefulness, wholeness. And that is found in this obedience to Jesus. And it brings great joy, even though it may be difficult. Jesus says that he tells us this for our joy. He says it explicitly, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And he's specific in the command then that he gives. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Remain in Jesus' love through joyful obedience. Love one another as I have loved you. And think about the way in which Jesus did exercise that love. We're not talking about romantic love or a love that applies only in some circumstances or a love that is easy to exercise or a kind of love that is as simple as licking a stamp. It's love expressed to one another sacrificially in community. And being a disciple is not an individual thing. It's not an individual calling. But a community one anothering. Uh, getting alongside one another in a truly loving, sacrificial, genuine way. And seeking to serve one another. Not just to take or to get but to serve one another, to, to know one another. You know, to, to genuinely seek to support each other, to understand what's happening in each other's lives, to share our joys, to, to share our struggles, to talk about our needs, to talk about the mess in our experience and what we are finding demanding, what, where we are struggling, where we are faltering. It's actually 
requires sacrificial love sometimes just to say the truth about where you're at to one another. And it requires sacrificial love to be willing to hear that and to get alongside one another. Not least if it inconveniences you in some way. Yet love is deeply inconvenient in that respect. And death is at the heart of love. As Jesus models, love as I have loved you. It takes him all the way to the cross. It means he washed the disciples' feet and he said he showed them the full extent of his love and he loved them to the end. That's what we are called to. We're a household, not a cinema. Very different thing. It's not just sharing an experience for our individual needs, but collectively moving towards one another as we show each other the kind of love Jesus has shown to us. And that's a call to you if today is your very first day ever coming into a building like this or being around a community like this. Feel that freedom to come and say where you're at. That's what we're here for. That's what this community is being called to do. That's what being Christ-like involves. And people come and go here all of the time, and they have done for as long as we've ever met here. So grab the one week you may be here, if you're passing through in the bank all the weekend, and ask yourself, well, what do I need to take with me from today that Jesus is saying to me that could change my life forever, that maybe I've never opened my ears or eyes to before? think, well, I only came for a one-off. <laughs> Maybe you did. But when you encounter Jesus, it doesn't tend to be a one-off kind of thing. Thankfully. So if you are new and you're going to be here for the next while, lean into community. Lean into tell us where you're at. Take risks. Be purposeful in seeking out the kind of love you see is meant to be modeled here. Don't hide don't feel you need to be something you're not. And if you have been here for ages, and maybe you're feeling some of the fatigue of the comings and going that we experience here, don't retreat from those who are new to us. Don't retreat from the changes. Move towards those you don't yet know. And move towards one another in conversations with each other that perhaps you have not yet had. Don't assume that nobody else is experiencing challenging things and that if you said something to them, they might be shocked. I doubt it. I really do. Invite one another over for dinner. Go out together here in the city. Help each other work out what life in Dublin means and what life with a call to Christ means. Be real, be genuine, be Christ-like. Bring your great that will bring you great joy even though it will involve sacrifice and it will keep you abiding in the love of Jesus and more than that you will show yourself to be Jesus's friends that profound statement in verse 13 where Jesus says greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command. 
And Jesus is going to lay his life down for his friends. He's going to his death to transform them from, from enemies to friends and those of all of us who are invited into that reality. And we are here called friends. That's what the lads were singing in the song. Got a friend named Jesus Christ. He does it all for me. Now I'll happily sing that song <laughs> any day. I hope we can get it going here. You notice that Jesus doesn't say in this case specifically that he is the disciples' friends. Did you notice that? He says they are his friends. He will lay down his life for his friends. And you, Jesus speaking, will be my friends if you do what I command. I have called you friends. So the emphasis is very much on Jesus calling disciples friends, calling us friends, as opposed to us calling him our friend. Not that that in itself is wrong, but that's not the emphasis here. And why might that be so? Because there's an important distinction at work. The friendship that is being described here is not mutual like our friendships are. If you go out for lunch after this, if you go out, you go out together on equal terms. If you go out for a pint in the city, you go out for a sea swim, you go to cinema, whatever. You do so as friends on equal footing. You don't tend to command one another, do you? <laughs> Maybe you do and it bugs your friends. Stop bossing me around. But you don't command your friends and you don't take commands from them. And Jesus is the one in the commanding position in this relationship. We are not on equal terms with him in that respect. Man to man, person to person. He is God the Son. The command is for him to issue and for us to obey. So it's not mutual in that, in that respect. If we were, were mutual and equal, we would be commanding Jesus to obey us. It doesn't work like that. So it's not mutual friendship in that respect. And he doesn't need to abide in our love. We are called to abide in his. And Jesus shows his love by laying down his life on the cross for his friends. Uniquely as God the Son. We cannot reciprocate that. And as the lad sang, he does it all for me. He loved to the last. He loved exhaustively. And that love enables us to move from being an enemy to a friend. Because of that, we are free to express our friendship through this joyful obedience. The crosses are our provision for all of our imperfect obedience. And that complete love is the means of our friendship with God. Now maybe you still don't like this commanding thing. I was mindful of Elon Musk as I was thinking about this. You know the chaos that ensued when he took over Twitter and started firing people left, right and center from across the Atlantic, not having a clue what was going on, on the ground. It's disenfranchising when you've no idea what's been said behind closed doors, especially when it concerns your job and your, your livelihood. 
and somebody seemed completely disconnected, issuing down these commands from on high. We react when we feel what has been asked of us is, is coming from a place of privilege that doesn't get what it's like on the ground and is only commanding for its own gain and benefit. Nobody appreciates that. And this is very different. Jesus lays down his life for his friends. He knows what it's like to be in the grind of the everyday. More than that, he found joy in obeying the Father's will. It was a sacrifice filled with purpose and complete joy. It wasn't a joyless servitude. Quite the opposite. We're not commanded from behind doors, behind closed doors where we haven't got a clue what's going on. We are invited in, not as servants, but friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So we are told about the master's business. There's no hidden agenda. There's no top secret files. There's no exclusion from the business plan. There's no being shut out. This is an open table, open discussion, inclusive friends who are given access, access to everything that Jesus has learned from the Father. And he learned it through his joyful obedience. And he will make known all of that to the disciples to his friends. They will be in the loop. They will be informed. They will be included. Given access to all of this. Through the work of the Spirit. Revealing and unraveling and unpacking all that Jesus said. Christianity is not a secret society. You know, there's no secret way in. There's no hierarchy of, of learning. I have no advantage over anybody here. No paying your way into the exclusive club of revelation or anything like that. Friends on equal footing at the foot of the cross. That's what we are. Everything we need to know has been made known. So there is nothing to stop you becoming this kind of friend. It's here before you. And being here may open you up to that in a way that you have not yet been. You don't need any secret sauce. It's here. You too can be a love friend of Jesus, a friend included in all of God's purpose. And those of us who know God, who know Jesus, have no edge over anyone else. See verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. It's humbling to know that Jesus takes the initiative with this. He chose his disciples. He always has and always will. We are dependent on him, as was emphasized in the first eight verses, that sense of dependence. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We are responding to his initiative. And that actually gives security and reassurance because he's the one in control. He knows what he's doing. He is eternally intentional. And if you are his friend, you've got him to thank for that. And if you're not yet there's great encouragement in knowing it's absolutely nothing got to do with your religious credentials and everything got to do with his power and his choice and his grace. 
It's all about what he does for you. And his commanding love is purposeful. We are appointed to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Do you notice those two little words? But I chose and appointed you to go and bear fruit. To go. Not just to bear fruit personally. To grow more like Christ. Not just that. Not just the pruning we experience that draws us deeper into his love. It's not just that. Not just the one anothering either. But to go. To go and bear fruit. Remain in Jesus' love through joyful obedience means to go. In other words, to share that love. To share that friendship. That joy. Going to make more disciples. To find this love. That is the most loving thing we can do. Is to share this reality. We remain in his love as we go with that love. Do you know the greatest evangelistic resource we have in this church? Do you know what that is? It's you. It doesn't come in a box. It doesn't come from, from me. It's you guys. You remaining in Jesus' love through joyful obedience. You loving one another as you have been loved. You in your everyday Showing love, being relational, trustworthy, kind, sacrificial people. Not a program, not a one-off event, not one gathering like here on a Sunday. But you being fruitful in the way that you have been appointed to be by Jesus himself. Fruit of growth in your life and the fruit of new friends, new disciples. And then the Father will give you whatever you ask in his name. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. So let's get about asking for it. That's what we were doing in our gathering this morning before. That's what we are called to as a church, as individuals, and as a community. So let's get about asking for it. And let's get about loving each other as we have been loved. That kind of love is of true national interest. And that kind of love ought to be our stamp of identity as a church. Not just once a year, but all the time. And may God in his grace make it so. Let's pray. Our Father, we take up the words of Jesus. We know that you will give whatever we ask in your name when we come to seek fruit and fruit that will last. We come to seek to express your love when we seek your help to obey your commands. So 
enable us to be that kind of people, that kind of community, kind of church. May we have new stories of friends who, like Kevin and Jamie, have come to see the truth of who you are. We pray that you would bring your reality to bear on our every day. Call us time and again to abide. Forgive us where we have sought to disobey, to run to other things, to seek joy elsewhere. Rebuke us and return us to to your good purposes. And where we're confused by that or what that might mean, help us to help one another to unpack that and to model that and to encourage each other in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.